Let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word of God together. Father, we thank you um, so much for your goodness towards us. God, we thank you that this is a season that we're reminded that being children of God, we get to celebrate, not only during the Advent season, but all the year through. And God, as we continue this Advent season message today, God, we're asking that you would help us to come into the adoration that is due you because of your coming, because of your sinless life, because of your death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. God, we're also asking that you would help us to have your peace, that we'd be recipients of your peace as we come into the grace of God that you've freely given us in your son. So God, open our eyes today, open our hearts today, and may we be moved by you and your word, your spirit alone, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today, if you have a Bible, we're going right back to what we just reviewed in the worship um, setting. We're going back to Luke chapter 2, where we were looking at the birth of Jesus Christ. And as we've been talking about multiple declarations that have been made over the past several weeks, we've been talking about things that Christians need to declare about God and about themselves if they're going to walk properly with him in the life that he's called them to. And so today's message is actually a declaration of the Advent, where we'll see it again repeated, where he says, it's his pleasure and my peace. Ultimately, the Advent season is about declaring his pleasure, which leads to my peace. His pleasure, my peace. If I'm going to live in the peace of God, if I'm going to live in the shalom or the tranquility and the harmony that God has provided for me, I've got to live according to his pleasure. And so let's read again the scripture and then we'll get around to his pleasure and my peace. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, And laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God 
for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. His pleasure, my peace. When we look at this uh, Christmas uh, setting, we see that ultimately God has prescribed for us the very thing that we're looking for and created for in life. When we go through the daily affairs of life, the daily pressures, the responsibilities, the ups, the downs, whether it be circumstantial, whether it be emotional, uh, whether it be relational, we see that ultimately what everyone in their inward soul is crying out for is peace. We talked about this at the end of last week, but it's a peace with God that is foundational where we continually talk about the fact that God has sent his son. The advent was about Jesus, the son of God being sent into the world that we might actually receive peace with God, reconciliation with God. That the gospel at its foundation is that though God is completely holy and good and loving, we as humanity, sinful humanity, are not. And we've gone astray. We've gone to our own devices. We've gone into living ways relationally with our time and our resources. And we've gone in ways that we've basically destroyed that which God created to be good. And it's destroyed that which was known to be peace. When we talk about peace in the earth, we, we talk about the idea that it's the shalom of God. I re- made reference of this last week. The word shalom ultimately meant tranquility and harmony. That when God created you and he created you by his design to walk in his ways, he meant you to prosper in all that you would do in your number one relationship with him and then in your relationship with his creation around him. But because of sin entering into the world, that peace, that tranquility of soul, that harmony of mind, that harmony in relationships, whether it be in family relationships or it be in work relationships or it be in community relationships, all of those things because of sin entering the world has been broken, and ultimately the peace that God has intended his world to live in has been destroyed. That good news is, is that Jesus was sent by the Father to redeem and then restore that shalom, restore that peace that ultimately God meant to exist in the earth. And it's good news, not only on a global scale, but it's good news on an individual level. Because even if people are successful, even if people have the things that they need taken care of, whether it be financially or they have houses and shelter and they have a pursuit that's basically filling their time and their efforts, what they still lack is an inner peace because there's a brokenness inside of them that comes about by sin. And we all know it and we all feel it. We feel it when we roll over on every morning as the alarm goes off. It's almost like anybody have to struggle to get out of bed sometimes because you know that you're going into something, whether it be work or family life or just city life around you, that is not peaceful. And we know it because whenever we're going throughout the day, though we're trying to wrestle, um, to wrestle our worlds into some sort of order, there's still chaos that's going on around us. And it starts internally with the life of men and women, and then it's expressed externally in their relations with one another. But what we see is that God ultimately says, I'm giving you a prescription through my coming where you can come back into my pleasure and then ultimately know my peace. Come back into my pleasure and then ultimately know my peace. The place we're going to focus on is the place when the angels themselves were making a declaration of the coming of Jesus. And again, he said, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, meaning the shepherds, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And the coming of the Lord is for all the people. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what type of household you grew up in. I myself did not grow up in a religious household. But when I read these words and when I heard these words, it was good news to me, right? I did not grow up in a Christian environment. But I heard this good news that it's for all the people, which included me, right? I had friends and family members who are of different religions or different faiths or were atheists or agnostic. And the good news was that this joy was coming for all the people, no matter where you came from. This gospel was God coming on a rescue mission for humanity to establish and reestablish his peace. And he said, I'm coming for those who otherwise did not know me. I'm coming to strengthen those who otherwise did. He came to the shepherds and said, this good news is for all the people. And for unto you this day, a child is born in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And he said this, glory to God in the highest, meaning the shepherds in response, and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Peace among those with whom he's pleased. Peace among those with whom he's pleased. Meaning that God is directly in this message attaching his peace and his shalom to those with whom he's pleased. Those with whom he's pleased. And a lot of times we don't feel or experience the peace of God because we're not walking in his pleasure. We're not walking according to his design. We're not walking according to his ways. And we can tell a difference. We know that things like the fruit of the Holy Spirit, those things proceed out of the heart of God and they're part of the pleasure of God. And when we're walking according to the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, we experience a peace, a tranquility, a harmony in every area of our life that's different than when we're not. We all experience that, right? When you're ornery with people, and yes, I'm talking about even in the holiday season, you have to choose to resist that. When you go back into familiar environments where there might be stress or tension involved, even though gifts are being exchanged, you've got to choose a peace that's going to come about because you're giving yourself to the ways of God. And God's saying literally through the shepherds, through the angels, that your peace is going to be found when you choose to live according to his ways. Now, whenever we talk about the peace of God, we're also associating the pleasure of God with the worship of God. You come to a setting like this, and when we come and we sing songs of worship, it's giving God adoration. It's giving him the due um, due praise that he is worthy of. And whenever we talk about the last week of Advent celebrating the adoration of the Son of God, that's directly um, directly equated to the idea of worship. And when we worship, what we're doing is we're saying, my life is being built around his pleasure. My life in my relationships is being built around giving God the pleasure that he deserves. I'm giving God the, the do that he is looking for when he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, right? He says, if you're looking to please me, it's very simple. I don't want socks for Christmas. I want you to love one another, right? Anybody give their spouse or their loved ones a Christmas list because you've been surprised before by the things you've been given and you've been thankful 
but at the same time, you're already looking forward to the next year where you can re-gift. That's a lot of times what we're like with God, right? It's like, God, I could give you my leftovers, or God, I can give you a little affection here or there. I could pay you a little money and get you off my back, or I can post a few things on Facebook that look honorable. But God's like, listen, there's more to my pleasure than that. I've given you my word. I've given you my word, which in them are commands to be obeyed. And when you find yourself in my commands that are to be obeyed, you'll find yourself in my pleasure. And if you find yourself in my pleasure, ultimately you'll find yourself in my peace. This, in fact, is true biblical worship. This, in fact, is the reason of the fourth week of Advent, giving God Almighty our adoration. And it's not just through singing songs. It's through how we order our time. It's how we order our relationships. It's how we order our responses in the workplace and the things that we pursue. When we are thinking about worship, the adoration of God and giving him pleasure, we're continually asking ourselves this question, how can I please him in my thoughts? How can I please him in my actions? How can I please the living God in my speech? In my use of time, talent, and resources, I know how to do this again because of his commands. There was another man named Paul who was an apostle. He wrote three-fourths of the New Testament letters. And in his writings, he also talked about how he came into the pleasure of God through worship. He was a zealous man. He was a religious man at some point in his life, but he didn't know Jesus as the Son of God. He didn't know how to give Jesus the adoration that he deserved until God met him on the road to the Damascus. Jesus himself appeared to him and opened his eyes and said, this is how you're going to actually please me. You're going to please me by honoring me, my name, my name. It's not just you being religious. It's not just you being spiritual. It's, in fact, not just you being zealous for right things, because Paul was very zealous for right things, but it's you coming into a place where you're adoring, you're worshiping, you're giving honor to the one who came through this advent, to the one who lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and was resurrected from the dead. He came to Jesus, and it transformed his world. It transformed his world so much so that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he began to write about the life that he was going to live for the pleasure of God. Starting in verse 9, he said, so whether we are at home, meaning in the body, I'm sorry, with the Lord, or away, meaning in the physical body, he says, we make it our aim to please him. We make it our aim to please him. It's a simple concept, but it's a very weighty concept. Do you make it your aim, a target, every single day to please God? Or is it something that you're just being carried along by, meaning your faith is something that's just on the side, that it's something that describes you just like your work, or it's something that describes you just like maybe the te- your favorite team? Do you make it your aim to please God, as the Apostle Paul did. Because he said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due him for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Whenever he recognized the advent of the Christ, he said, my total life trajectory has to change. 
It can't just be that I'm a religious person. It can't just be that I've heard the word before or I've been familiar with the law before because Paul was a religious man familiar with the things of God. Like many of us in here, we come around because we're familiar with the things of God, but it does not order our lives in such a way that it transforms how we live. And in the Advent season, there's got to be a shift where he says, it's not just me being familiar with the law. It's not just me being familiar with the commands of God, but I've got to live to please him. It's my aim to please him. And Paul went on to say that as he lived this way, it was something that transformed not only his world, but the world of those around him. Whenever you see that there is no true peace without pleasing God, you see that it's because there is life by design. Life by design. When God created you, he created you for a designed life, meaning that life doesn't function best if you don't relate to people as he says to relate to them. God doesn't say that you can just treat people any way you want to and then still have peace with them. How many people have ever gotten into a funk before where you said, well, this is just how I am? You treat people according to ornery means and you say, they just have to accept me because that's my personality. Anybody ever say things like this before? Or people just have to understand that this is what I'm like. Well, the good news of the gospel is, is that when you're living for his pleasure, ultimately repentance is necessary. And repentance is you changing your mind, going into a um, different direction, and coming into the pleasure of God, which ultimately leads to his peace. There was a woman who says, who who was Amy Carmichael, who said this. She said, blessed are the single-hearted, which means that they have an aim, a singular aim. Blessed are the single-hearted in their aim of life, for they shall enjoy much peace. If you refuse to be hurried and pressed, if you stay your soul on God, nothing can keep you from the clearness of spirit, which is life and peace. In that stillness, you will know what his will is, and that will will ultimately lead to peace. Living for God's pleasure takes a singularity of focus, a singularity of heart, a singularity of thought, where it's like, as opposed to everything else that is offered to me, I'm living for his pleasure. Which means, when other things are offered to me, the decision's already been made. If I'm going into a holiday season, and I know drunkenness is going to be around, the decision has already been made ahead of time that I'm not participating in that. Why? Because I have a singular focus, which is his pleasure, which ultimately leads to my peace. If I go into a situation and I know that there's going to be contention in the relationships that we find ourselves in, I can head that off ahead of time and say that, you know what, though I might be baited over and over again. Has anybody ever walked into even a family situation before and felt baited by a situation? Okay, right. Felt baited by certain conversations that you know are going to come up? Well, if you have a singular focus that it's going to be his pleasure then ultimately ahead of time, even in the midst of the shadow of death, you can walk in his peace. You can walk in his peace. And like the shepherds, the devil often has been trying to push you out 
to marginalize you, discourage you, and disconnect you so that you would be ineffective in walking with him in the kingdom. However, God sends his angels to look for you and bring you good news of glad tidings and re-engage you in the kingdom. The shepherds at the time, they were people who were not of good reputation. They were often thought of as people who were swindlers or thieves or people who were out on the outskirts of society. But even if you find yourself there in relationship to God and his purposes, the good news is he comes looking for you to say, come into my peace. He says, know my pleasure, find my peace. Now, there is a um, little fun saying that I'm sure you've heard before. And for copyright purposes, I did not uh, take it or put it on the screen today, but I will show you on my iPad. <laughs> you might have actually seen this before, but forgive me if it's a small image. Has anyone seen this phrase before? No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. You see that in the white and the blue? We did a whole outreach in New York one time based on this. It was amongst youth, and it was an easy tagline that they could remember, okay? It's like, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. And again, for those of you who are phonetically challenged, again, we were talking about the first no as N-O, and the second N as K-N-O-W, okay? No Jesus, no peace, and no Jesus, no peace. Now, when we're coming into the life of God, we've got to understand that without Jesus, we're not going to find that peace, Without Jesus, we're going to be fending for ourselves. And continually what he's saying is, as Savior, I'm bringing an end to you fending for yourself. I'm bringing you in... Sorry. Okay, I'm bringing, I'm bringing you into a place where God himself is your Savior and God himself is fighting on your behalf to bring you into the peace. Now, the good news about this peace is that often it's found in the places where we find circumstances as non-ideal. Whenever we look at the advent of Jesus, his first coming, we know that he was found in the manger. And in the manger, that was not the place that you would have thought to honor a king. It was not the place that you would have thought to find somebody who was ultimately going to represent the creator and the savior of the world. But in the midst of that, God says, you will find your peace even in the midst of the disarray, if you look to Jesus, the one Savior, the one Son of God. And some of you in here, I'm just talking to you very plainly. I know some of you. I know uh, many of your situations. And I know that for years, some of you have been literally living in a life of disarray. Whether it be in your relationships or it be in your work life or it be literally in things that you're trying to pursue, and you say to yourself, I, I hear this, I believe the gospel, I believe the good news about Jesus, but I don't know that I can ultimately find his peace. The things that I've done in my past or the things that I've done relationally with my spouse, they are things that ultimately I can't come back from. They're things that, yes, they may say they forgive me, but ultimately I can't go forward in this. And the peace that I otherwise could have had previously, that's over. And God's saying that that's not true. God's saying that even in the manger, even in the place where there were stalls and there were plenty of unclean things around, right? You can imagine Jesus, the Son of God, being born in that manger. And there were all types of not only sounds, but 
all types of smells. I'm sorry, I'm almost, almost getting sick myself. I have a, anybody else have a sensitive stomach? But it's sort of like you can smell all types of things around. And in that place, that's where Jesus the Savior chose to show up. And Jesus the Savior said, listen, he's coming. And God the Father said, you're going to find worship in that place. You're going to learn to adore me in that place. And some of us have not come to God because of the fact that we said, my life is in such disarray that I don't have the bandwidth, the time, or the energy to adore the Son of God. I want to, but I can't because of the mess that's going on in my life. And the good news of the Advent is he says, I call you, in fact, into my peace in the midst of the manger. I call you into my peace in the midst of the disarray that's going on around you. And part of the message of the Advent season is that there's hope for you even in the midst of the mess. There's hope for you even in the midst of the disarray. That he says, you can come into my peace. You can actually start to walk in my pleasure in the midst of things going on around you that seem like they're out of control. God says he comes into that disorder and he brings his tranquility and it starts from the inside and moves its way out. And what you can do today is you can find him in a manger place. You can find his peace in the middle of that disarray. You can still find Christ in that way when you choose to order your life as the apostle Paul did. In 2 Corinthians 5, he continued and went on. He said, when I finally saw God in the midst of my disarray or the midst of my mistrajectory. He said, I understood finally the fear of the Lord. And he said, knowing the fear of the Lord, I began to try to persuade others. But what we are known, <clears throat> what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known about your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. He says, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Things that could be circumstantial could get you out of your mind at times. And he says, listen, but God brings me into a place of right standing. And then when I'm in right standing with God in his pleasure, it's the love of Christ that controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. He was sent to die and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might not any longer live for themselves, but for them, I'm sorry, for him who for their sake died and was raised. What does that mean? It means that to come into Christ's peace, we've got to come into a place where I'm coming to the, in the manger scene, a place where I'm choosing no longer just to live for myself. Choosing to live for yourself ultimately leads to the disarray and the lack of peace that we see around us and we experience internally. Has anybody ever experienced that before? The per pursuits that you have, you try to just make another dollar, right? Rockefeller used to say, anybody, okay, Rockefeller, he used to be um, uh, one of the wealthiest men in the um, nation, and they often asked him, how much money is enough? And you know what his answer was? Just one more dollar. That's what Ecclesiastes says, right? He who loves money never has money enough. And when you're taking your life into your own hand, ultimately you can't ever reach or attain a place of peace because you're trying to do it outside of God. Or how about a relationship? 
that you've been pursuing, right? It could even be a romantic relationship. And when you're trying to pursue that romantic relationship and find your security in another individual, ultimately they end up disappointing you. They end up disappointing you because ultimately you're not intended to find your peace in another human being. You're meant to find your peace in the one who created you and who can alone love you perfectly. If you try to find your peace in a pursuit or some sort of design in life, some sort of career ambition, and say, I've finally gotten this letter behind my name, or I'm finally given this type of office or this type of measure of success, I've gotten these accolades attached to me. Ultimately, that can, number one, either be stripped from you, or number two, Number two, never be the thing that gives people the idea that it's enough to make you worthy in their eyes. Remember, uh, I just saw, uh, what is it, uh, Apollo 2, uh, I'm sorry, Creed 2. Anybody seen Creed 2? Okay, well, that's fine. Okay, I know you were done after Rocky 20. But here's the thing. <clears throat> I saw Creed 2, and I remembered what Rocky was continually saying throughout his life. Rocky was continually saying, I'm just trying to live in such a way that people understand I'm not a bum. Do you remember that? Do you remember? It's Rocky won, okay? 1970-something. Anyway, the thing is, is he said, I'm trying to prove to the rest of the world that I'm not a bum. And that's what people are driven by, whether it be because of the expectations of parents or society, there's something that they're looking for, trying to prove themselves to themselves and other people. And he says, ultimately, that won't lead to peace. And it's until you actually have a transition of soul where you say, I'm no longer living for myself, but I'm living for him who loved me, died for me, gave himself for me that ultimately you're released of that striving. You're released of that pressure. You're released of ultimately that disappointment. You come into a place where you say, I'm living for his pleasure, singularity of focus, his pleasure alone, and then I can come into his peace. The Advent season was good news of great joy for all the people because D.L. Moody said it this way, a great people, many people are trying to make peace. A great deal of people are trying to make peace, but truly that has already been done. God has not left us to do it. And part of the good news of great joy, that's for all the people, is that God has not left you to make the peace for yourself. That's good news. Because if you've pursued it and found it to be unattainable, it's because that's by design. He says, I've not left you to make peace for yourself. He says, instead, all we have to do is enter into it. What does that mean, to enter into it? It means to come and adore the son who was sent. It means literally to clothe yourselves with Christ. And not only to clothe yourselves with Christ, where you begin to say, ultimately, my striving's done. I don't have to pursue it on my own anymore. I can be at rest. That's part of peace, is it not? Any of you who are physically active, you know, it's sort of like you're always trying to keep your body, you know, from breaking down and falling, falling apart. It's sort of like at the end of the day, you're looking for peace even in your body, your physical frame, right? And he says what you're entering into in Christ is peace all around, peace of mind, 
peace of body, peace of soul, tranquility of all of life. It's good news of great joy that's for all the people. But stop trying to put it together yourself. The Advent season is he's already done it for you. Enter into it, his grace, and receive it. Receive it. And out of that place of strength, then you can actually live in the peace that the entire world is ultimately looking for. And not, like, not only could you receive it, but you can share it just like the shepherds did. You can share it just like the shepherds did. Life is going crazy around me, but I'm at peace. Has anybody ever had that testimony before? Life is going wild. My circumstances seem like they're fluctuating. My health has been attacked. My finances aren't where I want them to be. But you know what? I've got a smile on my face, and I'm at peace. And those who have everything seemingly that the world wants, they want that. They want that. I want to just be at peace. So when my health is failing me, I'm fine because you know what? One day I've got a glorified body. Why? Because of the Son of God and His coming. When my finances aren't where I want them to be, that's fine. Listen, because my Father, my Heavenly Father, has never forsaken the righteous, righteous in Jesus. He's never allowed His children to go begging for bread. I'm at peace. When my relationships are strained, I can speak to the storms and command them to be still in the name of Jesus, just like Jesus did when he was walking in the earth. And the good news is, is when I failed, when I've blown it and when I've met, been the problem and messed up, I can go back to the cross. And Jesus, who was my peace at the beginning, is going to be my peace until the end. And the only way I'm going to stand before him is coming into his pleasure, adoring the Son of God which ultimately will lead to my peace. This is the Advent season. This is his call to us today, not only during the season, but always. So let us say Merry Christmas to one another, but ultimately praise be to the Son of God and glory to God in the highest because it's peace on earth to whom he is pleased. And all of us can come into his pleasure today by repentance and faith in him. Amen? All right. Worship team.